0: Welcome truth seekers all across the Fruited Plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you civics made simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Welcome to the episode, Why Independence? This is Kim S. Anderson, and you are about to hear uh, an audio of a video recorded live in 2017 answering the civics question, Why Independence? Stay tuned and enjoy. Hey guys, this is Kim Anderson. I know I'm really, really excited about the lesson and the topics that we're gonna cover today. And we're gonna discuss today why independence. You know, in our previous lesson, we talked about the purposes um, of politics and government. And today we're gonna do sort of a slight history lesson, but a very important lesson to understand how and why um, America came into being and the importance and significance of all of that for us now as American citizens and so we are using um, a civics course by Alpha Omega Publishing and um, they are a homeschool publisher I'm a homeschooler and um, their civics course is designed as an elective for either high school or middle school um, and so we're using their their curriculum to sort of bring this on home in bite-sized nuggets so that everyone can sort of get a, a, a peace and understanding of how our government came into being. And so we're going to take today's lesson, which is called Why Independence? And we're not actually even going to finish it. We're going to sort of, just, like I said, we're going to take our time and understand a little bit about what's going on, about how we came to be. But I'm not going to take too much time. So are you guys ready? Let's get into it. So why independence? Why did the colonists, we're going to go back um, to prior to the Declaration of Independence and discover why the American colonists felt that their only solution to the problems they were facing as, as, as different colonies was to seek independence from England, okay? So let's start from the years 1608 to 1763, and life in the colonies is pretty much going on as normal. They actually had a degree of independence um, and freedom from the English government to pretty much grow their colonies and develop them as they saw fit now uh, around i want to say, as I'm looking at my notes, um there was what was called the French and Indian Wars, where France and England and Spain were battling, sort of, in the North American continent for territory, um, and that war ended in 1763. So, pretty much, I mean, there was there was war sort of raging around the thirteen colonies, but they were pretty much doing life as normal. There was there was war above them in what we call Canada and South and what we would call Louisiana and Florida and Mississippi, but. Pretty much they were just doing their thing. And so, um, when the French Indian Wars and I'm just looking at my notes, so just if I'm if I'm moving all over the place, just hang with me, hang with me. So the French and Indian War ended in seventeen sixty-three and, and what happened, the result of that war, was that the British um, were able to capture the colony of Canada, what we now know as Canada. Um, And the French ceded, or they gave up, their territory east of the Mississippi um, to what do I want to say? East of the Mississippi um, went to Britain and, and and Louisiana. West of the Mississippi went to Spain. So. France's presence in what we now know as sort of the eastern block of North America was was, uh, was reduced to a few Caribbean islands, and it established Britain as the predominant colonial power in eastern North America and what people called the New World. And so, you know, life was going great for Britain. You know, they had pretty much established their world position um, in 1763, but what happened was that they looked into their treasury coffers and they realized they didn't have any money. Like, they were broke. And, you know, in 1764, King George III was looking around for some ways to increase the revenue for the crown. And they said, hey, hey, these colonies, these are our colonies over there in North America. And we need a new revenue source. And guess what? Why don't we start taxing them? Because they have been pretty much just living their lives, doing their thing, and probably enjoying a great sense of freedom, just building and just doing, having commerce and working their land and doing all that stuff. And King George III said it's time for them to pay their share in taxes to support the crown. Well, from 1764 to 1775, there were increasingly, um, oh, what I want to say. There were there were um, there were um, acts that were passed by England that increased conflict with the colonists more and more at each turn. And I want to say there were at least eleven taxation acts that were passed on the colonists. So what I want to do is I want to go through them really briefly and just talk about them so you guys get an idea of the escalation that each act had and how the colonists felt more and more that their only solution and then their only um, release of the oppression that the taxes were bringing on them was to separate and seek independence from England. So in 1764... We're going to talk about these in 1764 um, England passed the sugar act and that act increased duties or taxes on non-British goods shipped to the colonies. So that means everything that came from Britain was virtually had no tax, which gave them an advantage and everything else that came from other places shipped to the colonies was taxed at a much higher rate. So, that was the first act that passed. The second act that passed was called, this is still in 1765, 64, was called the Currency Act, which prohibited the American colonies from issuing their own currency. And the colonies, they didn't like this. They became angry and refused to import. That means bring in, we hear a lot about import stuff now, um, but the colonies refused to import British goods English goods, which was called non-importation, meaning we're not going to accept your goods. So you have you have um, the government in Britain, which is overseas across the Atlantic, saying, telling the the colonists that they can't issue their own currency. And the colonists said, well, here's our response. Well, we're going to we're not going to accept any British goods into the into the colonies. And we've now called that non-importation. We're just not going to accept any goods. Okay, so then in 1765, Britain, British the the Parliament comes back and they pass what's called the Quartering Act, and that was passed and it forced the colonists to provide barracks for British troops. So now, King George says, "Well, you're going to have to pay to house British troops on your soil." So it's it's you know things are starting to escalate. So. Then in 1765, the Stamp Act was enacted. And guess what, guys? This placed a tax on publications, legal documents, dice, playing dice, you know, playing dice, and card playing and playing cards. So that meant there was a tax. If you played cards with your buddies and you put and you made a bet, then they were taxing your bets. Now, this is what I found really kind of funny. But the colonists, they... They just couldn't stand this one. This one really got them. And so they responded by organizing a a resistance to the Stamp Act. And they called it the Stamp Act Congress. And they passed a declarations of rights and grievances. And they proclaimed that Parliament could not require taxation without representation. And this one must have been really strong and heartfelt, I mean, like, they must have really gotten some some uh, gumption behind this act as the colonists, because in 1766, Parliament repealed the stand back. They said, okay, 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 don't, all right, we'll take that one away. The other ones were still there, mind you. They took that one away. However, so, the, so for the moment the colonists eased down, But in 1766, Parliament um, passed the Declaratory Act. Guess what this one did? This one stated that Parliament can make laws binding on the colonies in all cases whatsoever. They kind of threw down the gauntlet. They kind of said, you know what? We're going to pass a law that supersedes all the other laws and we can bind and tell you what to do no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So guess what the colonists did for that? They did not like that one at all. In 1767, so now you can see like there's a groundswell of um, of 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 resistance coming against what the the crown is passing in Parliament is passing in Britain that they're imposing on the people here in the in the states or in the colonies. And it kept going. In 1767, the Townshend Acts were passed, which taxed glass and lead and paint, paper and tea. So they're building, the colonists are building, and the things that they need to build, that they, that they need to build the colonies with, they are taxing. Like they want to paint their homes or whatever, and they're taxing their paint. Oh my gosh. And so, at this point, the colonists renewed their efforts at non-importation of English goods. They said, that's it. That's it, we're not taking your goods anymore, England. Keep them, because we're not letting them come in. So in 1768, Samuel Adams, some of you guys know him for a different reason, but Samuel Adams wrote a statement approved by the Massachusetts House of Representatives condemning Parliament's continued effort to tax the colonists, and it called for a resistance of all the colonies. So do you know what the British governor did that was ruling that, that particular area? He completely dissolved the Massachusetts legislature. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Whatever state you're in, can you imagine if you, if you went up to your state house and you said, guys, I'm saying that we should all band together and we should oppose this tax. And the governor of your state said, you know what my response is? There is no more legislature. You guys don't get together. It doesn't matter. Like, you're gone. You're done. That's what the British royal governor did. He just said, you know what? This thing doesn't even exist anymore. We don't care what you say. This is the law. We already passed it. You guys are bound by the, by the laws of the crown. Who cares what you say? Woo! So it's building. It's growing. It's growing. So in 1769, the Virginia House of Burgesses passed a similar resolution supporting what the Assembly of Massachusetts had done, what, the, what Samuel Adams had written. Guess what happened there? The Virginia governor, who's the royal, who's the royal governor for for Britain, who's over that region, he passed an act saying, you know what, there is no more Virginia House of Burgesses, you guys are done, you don't even exist either. So the colonists at this point are really feeling the oppression of the British government and they have no representation in parliament for them, there's no voice there to speak on their behalf they are just being imposed upon by the british government and they the colonists are getting more and more upset and they they're seeking a resolution for the oppression that they're feeling so things really started to kick off in 1772 when a um, a group of colonists attack a british ship that was in uh in providence, rhode island and they were captured But their trial was transferred across the pond to England. That act further angered the the colonists and their response, once again, see, it's like there's a a reaction, there's an action, there's a reaction, there's an action, there's there's a reaction, there's a reaction, there's an action, and it just keeps building. Their response to this was to form and organize what was called committees of correspondence, which established and provided a means of communication between the colonies. Now, this is significant because prior to this point, the colonies were acting independently of each other. They weren't talking to each other as a unified body. Let me just take a swig. So at this point, the Committees of Correspondence is a huge deal because now they're starting to communicate to each other Um South Carolina is starting to communicate with Virginia. Virginia is starting to communicate with Rhode Island. Rhode Island is starting to communicate with Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is starting to communicate with New York. And New York is starting to communicate with Massachusetts. So they're starting to communicate with each other for the benefit of each other for the very first time in 1772. And so, once again, it keeps escalating. In 1773, the Tea act was passed which reduced the tax on British tea thus giving England an unfair advantage over tea imported over other countries and so how did the colonists respond with the Boston Tea Party you've heard about it hopefully but disguised as Indians they boarded British ships and dumped the English tea overboard into the Boston Harbor well how did the crown respond? They called it, the. They, in 1774, their response to the Boston Tea Party was what they called the coercive acts. Intolerable acts deemed by Britain towards the colonists. Um, these acts were passed, which were designed to punish Massachusetts. These acts included the Boston Port Bill, which banned the loading or unloading of any ships in the British harbor. The Administration of Justice Act, which offered protection to royal officials in Massachusetts, allowing them to transfer to England all court cases against them involving riot suppression or revenue collection. Are you kidding? And the Massachusetts Government Act, which put the election of most government officials under the control of the crown essentially eliminating the Massachusetts Charter of Government who I mean they are just take they're just ratcheting this thing up notch by notch by notch in addition parliament passed a stricter quartering act 12 of the 13 colonies this is now they said okay once again how are they going to respond 12 of the 13 colonies responded by sending a total of 56 representatives to the first Continental Congress Yeah, American colonists then began to organize special militia to prepare to defend their homes. So, you know, they grabbed their muskets. They were getting ready. They You know, they were getting ready. In 1775, can you believe the absolute number of acts and taxation laws that was passed by Britain during this time? I'm just like, oh my gosh. In 1775, Parliament passed the New England Restraining Act which banned trade between the New England colonies and any country except for England. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Can you believe that? Are you kidding? Whew, well, in that same year on May 10th, and I want to tell you, so, so at this point, resistance actually starts to break out. Um, there's, there's battles in Lexington and Concord, and their colonial organized colonial militia fought against British troops, And by the end of those battles, many were dead. So on May 10th of 1775, guess what? The second Continental Congress convened. John Hancock was a newly elected president of the Congress. And at that meeting in Philadelphia, Congress, the Continental Congress appointed George Washington as the commander in chief of the Continental Army. They issued bills of credit as paying the expenses um, But they demonstrated their determination to resist the English government at all costs. So it's getting there, you know, 1775, we're coming up on it now, right? We're we're getting closer and closer to the ultimate declaration of independence. And so at some point during 1775, the Continental Congress issued what they called um, an olive branch petition to the king in order to stay British subjects. So they were like, we'll, we'll, we'll stay British citizens, you know, just like, like just let's, let's calm down, <laughs> right? And I heard, I actually watched this on, on the uh, miniseries John Adams, that it was the Quaker from Pennsylvania who absolutely did not want war, did not want any additional conflict with, with, um, with England. I can't say that's true, but that's just how they, it was depicted in the miniseries. And so, um, because I I don't think in their minds it was, it's, it's really a heady thing to think about that we're going to separate from our mother country. That's a big, big deal. So they didn't want that at any cost, but well, I won't say at any cost, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's sort of a hard pill to swallow that this is actually what's getting ready to happen. And so, um, so they send this olive branch over to King George and King George's response was (sighs) you know no not gonna happen I'm not reducing anything everything staying in place Um, and as a matter of fact I declare that you colonists are now in a state of rebellion against the crown and the country of England so what choice do they have next like this thing has gone all the way up what's next for them to do well Congress formed a navy and began a search for foreign aid so they became allies this new this Continental Congress who did they become allies with France so in becoming starting an allegiance with France who a few years prior had lost the French Indian Wars to Great Britain they found a ready ally now here's what I think this is just Kim I think that France started they partnered with the colonies that they would have a way to then have control again in North America. I think that was France's sort of play in the background. They thought that they could get back in, take over from, from uh America, the colonists, and be the superpower again in North America. That's just my just my thoughts, okay? Um so but they knew that once they partnered with France, that that, that it's the point of no return. Like you are saying we are separating from you. And so we're going to end here where on the 4th of July in 1776 in Philadelphia the Declaration of Independence was signed. And what's really interesting and you don't always think of it this way because we have the famous quote that that we'll close with from there, but what it really was, what the Declaration of Independence really was, what it was it was like a legal argument laying out the case for independence from Britain by the colonies. And this was when the colonies became united. They had to all agree that this is what was going to happen. You know, New York couldn't abstain and say, you know what, well, we want to stay, and South Carolina say, no, we're going. Or Virginia say, we're going, and Pennsylvania say, no, we're staying. They all had to be in agreement, and, and that was no easy task. But nevertheless... It came together in the direct, in the Declaration of Independence, and we're going to wrap up there, and I'm going to just read the famous line from the Declaration of Independence, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So guys... When we pick up, i um, will sorry say tomorrow, but when we pick up in our next video, we'll talk about what happens from 1776 going forward after the Declaration of Independence. Um, we know there was a Revolutionary War and there were some things that happened and and, and we're going to talk about, you know, what happened after the Declaration of Independence. And in our next lessons, we'll move from there and we'll start talking about natural rights versus given rights and we'll move into how this representative republic was formed, okay? So, guys, I'm really, really looking forward to this, and I I hope this lesson was enlightening for you and and that it just keeps you and gives you a, a grounding and a foundation about what makes America so very special and what an honor it really is to be considered and to be known as an American citizen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple, This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me, for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcasts and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.